Help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Firstly, I would like to say thank you to everybody who has uh, joined our Facebook group. There is a few new members to that. And thank you very much for those of you who have given me some feedback. There have been a few comments uploaded to iTunes as well. So what I'd like to start off with is is basically just, just asking everyone, you know, if you're enjoying my podcast, if you're enjoying what we're doing, you're enjoying the history side of things, please, please, Leave me a comment, uh, leave me a review on iTunes, leave me a review on, on any application that allows it. I, I know things like Spotify don't allow that, so unfortunately if you are listening through Spotify and you'd like to give me some feedback, you'll have to direct message me through the page on Facebook or through our email address which is twihpod at gmail.com. So, thank you again to everybody for your comments and and your feedback and you know your continued support i really appreciate it and uh, in honor of that i thought we would have a little bit of a fun episode this week so for those of you who are on the facebook group you will have seen the picture that was uploaded earlier this week in regards to pretty much let's guess the guess the episode now i did have a few messages from some people saying is it about Cupid? Unfortunately, no, it's not. <laughs> this episode will not be about Cupid. I'm sure maybe I can cover that at some point, but uh, this episode is, is probably as far away from Cupid as you could possibly imagine. So this week's episode is actually about a man named Edward Teach. Now, Edward Teach is more commonly known as Blackbeard. Blackbeard being probably the most famous pirate of all time, barring possibly Jack Sparrow now, thanks to Disney. So Edward Teach officially was born in 1680. Now there are sources that contradict this because there is no real proof of his date of birth. So we're going to use 1680 because that is what most sources suggest is 1680. So we're going to go with that. He actually lived until 1718, 
and he was possibly one of the world's most famous pirates. He was actually born in the town of Bristol in southwest England. So for those of you that don't know, Bristol lies sort of south of Wales, where Wales meets England. There's a, there's a little channel there, and Bristol is on the English side of that. So you can almost understand how, for a young man living at the seaside, how his joy and his love of the sea and where it, where it comes from. So the sources actually suggest that he joined the navy as a privateer during Queen Anne's war. Queen Anne was queen of England and the war the Queen Anne's war ranged from 1702 to 1713. Now for those of you that don't know Queen Anne's war was basically a war between the British and local Native American tribes and the French and local Native American tribes. So there are parts of America that are French at this time and there were parts of America that were British and certain Native tribes in America that sided with either the French or the British. So the war basically was just a mixture of of the, the two nations and it was suggested that Edward Teach became a privateer, like I said. Now, a privateer at this time was pretty much somebody who could attack ships, but with a royal pardon. So, if you were a British privateer, you could attack French and Spanish ships, but you weren't to attack British ships. If you were a French privateer, you could attack British and Spanish, but you weren't to attack French ships. Whereas a pirate pretty much could attack who they wanted. There were also certain rules with privateers. Privateers had to share their bounty with, obviously, the government and with the, the crown for whom they represent. Whereas pirates had the ability to, to keep what they stole. So, there were quite a lot of famous privateers. So, essentially, pirates who you may may or may not have heard of Francis Drake and Sir Walter Raleigh were possibly the two most famous pirates I suppose uh, I suppose you, you know to all intents and purpose they, they were pretty much pirates they just had a, a royal pardon to get away with what whatever they took so it's easy to assume that whilst Teach was as a privateer he begot, he got a taste for piracy he got a taste for stealing and and that that way of life and being at the sea and having no one to answer but yourself and after the war he actually ended up joining a crew of a famous pirate named Benjamin Hornigold Benjamin Hornigold once he retired from piracy actually became a pirate hunter which is a quite interesting little fact for the time being we're going to focus on him as a pirate so during the golden age of piracy this is what it was known as around sort of the, the late 17 early sorry early 1700s late 1600s it was known as the golden age of piracy so this is where your disney gets all the classics from this is where disney has paid attention to that that ride in disneyland pirates of the caribbean and bought out multi-million dollar films in regards to it now a lot of the things 
that you will see in films are not technically true, which I will get into later. I think one of the most common things that is is misconstrued about pirates is the style of ships that they actually owned. Now, you will see depicted in a lot of films, a lot of books, things like that, pirate ships being these huge, massive two, three-mast ships with 20, 30 guns aboard and a crew of you know two three hundred men on board a ship when in reality the most common type of pirate ship at this time was called a sloop now a sloop was a smaller ship it had one mast and it was a lot shallower they normally carried somewhere between six and ten cannons so they weren't big ships but they were designed for speed and they were designed for being able to get around the caribbean very very well the Caribbean has a lot of sandbars and a lot of low shallows where bigger ships would have got stuck. So sloops were pretty pretty important during that time. So although there's not really a, a date for it, it's it's known pretty common that as soon as Hornigold realised the potential that Edward Teach had, he put him in charge of a sloop. So he had his first taste as a captain. And the two of them terrorised the Caribbean as a duo they had two sloops and what they did was that there are evidence and documents that have said that on one occasion they they stole 120 barrels of flour from Havana there's another one that says they stole 100 barrels of wine from Bermuda so they were quite ruthless really you know they they had a they were gaining a name for themselves as these pirates not to be messed with and and they were quite happy to go around and and steal what they could and I think it's contrary to most common beliefs that a lot of people believe that you know pirates stole jewels and gold and treasure in 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 actual fact they they didn't really go for treasure you know they went for whatever was on board the ship at the time if it was flour wine anything that they could sell that was that was pretty much the the gist of of what they wanted you know obviously gold and treasure was was important but i don't think that was you know they wouldn't go specifically for ships like that teach actually ended up in north carolina with uh, his six gun sloop and they met a man called stead bonnet now stead bonnet comes very important at a later date Uh, to start with stead bonnet had a crew of 70 men and his own sloop now bonnet was not very popular among his men and he was ousted from command and Teach took over command of his sloop so Teach and Hornigold then had three sloops under their control Teach had control of Bonnet's old sloop which was called the Revenge Hornigold had one called the Ranger and Teach's old sloop was still part of their crew now the old sloop there's no real evidence of any name for that so unfortunately it's going down as teacher's old sloop or blackbeard's old sloop depending on how you want to to take it so in november 1717 they actually attacked a french merchant vessel off the coast of saint vincent now this ship was called la concorde the captain surrendered very very fast and they took the ship what happened to the ship after that is probably the most famous story in pirate history. Hornigold ended up keeping the treasure that was on board the ship and Teach took the ship. Now he took the ship back, 
he fixed it up and he loaded it with 40 guns and he renamed that ship the Queen Anne's Revenge. Now Queen Anne's Revenge is I would say possibly the most famous pirate ship ever and the legend of Blackbeard had started to begin. Edward Teach was a fearsome man and he ruled with intimidation and fear. So there's accounts of Blackbeard that were that have been cited and they they say Blackbeard he was described as a tall spare man with a very black beard which he wore very long such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of fury from hell to look more frightful he wore knee-length boots dark clothing and a wide hat he also wore a sling with three pistols hanging off and stuck hemp in his beard which smoked when he lit it to make his beard look like it was on fire his appearance was one to strike fear into opposing ships so his appearance was designed to make you want to surrender before actually even facing the pirates and that worked you know pirates weren't stupid they weren't these fearsome bloodthirsty men who just wanted to attack and kill people which is how they are depicted in films they were very clever and very calculated and they realized very quickly that intimidation and a good story a good legend almost behind you would be enough to make most ships surrender just on the site so with blackbeard having sort of a a flaming beard a beard on fire and, and he looked like someone straight out of hell it was enough for a lot of ships to just give up you know and like i said if you're not in the facebook group get yourself in it it's just this week in history and um, you'll find us the 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 picture is exactly the same as what what's on your podcast and you will see the the picture that i i uploaded of the flag of the queen anne's revenge so for those of you that that did guess right that it was blackbeard the picture that was uploaded was the flag now as soon as you saw that flag flying you would fear for your life you'd you'd immediately you'd know you know shit that's blackbeard we're we're gonna you know we're gonna be in trouble here and and it worked you know intimidation worked that there are there are stories of other pirates who used very very similar um, intimidation and very similar legends one of the the most famous is a, is a French pirate called Francois Lollonet. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Francois Lollonet, but basically, the story behind him was that he he attacked Spanish ships, only Spanish ships, really. And one of the stories was that he cut out a man's heart and ate it in front of him. You know that fear, that that ability to have that fear from someone, it caused enough ships to to give up you know a lot of the ships that were attacked were merchant vessels as well these weren't soldiers these weren't people who wanted to fight they were just people you know trying to get home to their families so given the option of stand and fight or give up and get home they they gave up the other thing you'll find with with pirates and, and like i i believed was that a lot of pirates ended up killing whoever was on the ship and that again that's not the case it was it was well known that if you surrendered to a pirate ship that nine times out of ten you'd you'd be left safe you know you'd be able to leave and go home they didn't want to kill people they didn't want to murder people they they just wanted to make a living and 
back to back to Blackbeard himself, and he he actually awarded himself the title of Commodore once he'd taken the Queen Anne's revenge as well, um, which gave him a, a little bit more, I suppose, prestige. Even though in reality it was a, a self-made title, he didn't he didn't actually own that title. It was a self-made rank because he had more than one one ship. He had it. He had his sloop. And he had the Queen Anne's Revenge. He actually had at this point around 300 pirates under his command. So he was starting to become quite fearsome. Also at this time, the man who was put in charge of his sloop was Stead Bonnet, who we mentioned earlier. So obviously he's sort of come quite high up again. He, he's earned his respect and got himself his captaincy back. So what happened towards the, the middle of... At 1718, around May, probably the, one of the most famous things Blackbeard ever did, he actually blockaded the port of Charlestown in South Carolina. He parked his two pirate ships outside the port, and he blocked every single ship from entering or leaving the port. They actually stopped nine vessels in a week, and raided them, and took what was inside. There was one ship that tried to leave Charlestown to get to London and it actually had some quite high powerful people on board. One such man was Samuel Ragg. Now Samuel Ragg was a member of the province of Carolina Council so I'm not 100% sure what that actually means but I'm guessing he was quite high up in, in Carolina's government and he basically gave teachers bargaining chip over the port and gave Teach that ability to turn around and say, "Well, we're not leaving, and if you know, if you want us to leave, we'll we'll, we'll kill him." And uh, that's what he did. You know, that's that's the the ultimatum he gave the town. He said, "We want our product, we want our booty, and if you're not going to give it to us, then we're going to send your councilman back without a head." The funny thing with this that I I found quite interesting was he didn't ask for gold or jewels or anything like that he actually asked for medicine now medicine was possibly one of the the best things that a pirate could find on a ship and he asked for medicine from the town now the town at first was a bit reluctant to to allow pirates to demand what they wanted and obviously when they realized that Teach had had some quite high-powered individuals on board that that could cause a few problems if if they weren't weren't to meet the demands. They did actually eventually give in to the demands and said, "Okay, we'll we'll, we'll get your medicine for you." And what happened was Teach sent two pirates and a hostage back to shore to collect the demands. Now he gave them two days. He said, you've got two days to get there, get the medicine, get back, and we'll release the prisoners. What happened was, he gave them two days, and after three, he gave them an extra day, and after three days, he was starting to get a bit like, you know, where are they? Where's my medicine? What have they done with my pirates? What have they done with, you know, are, are they sticking to their word? Are they keeping their bark, their end to the bargain? And he was persuaded not to attack the port by some of the prisoners on board he gave them an extra couple of days and waited after a few days he, he sort of began to lose patience and what he did was he, he 
organised the ships, his ships plus the ships that he had captured in the port into battle positions. So for those of you that don't know, ships at this time were broadsided so that all the guns were on the side of the ship. So what he would have done is he would have made all the ships face sidewards so the guns on the side of the ship were facing the town. Obviously this caused quite a bit of panic in the town and people were starting to think, oh my god, we're going to be attacked by pirates. What do we do? He waited a little bit longer and he actually saw a rowing boat rowing towards the Queen Anne's Revenge. When he saw this rowing boat, he realised that actually that was his, his pirates on board and the demands had been met. Now what I found very amusing was the reason these pirates actually took so long was not because the town had dragged their feet getting the medicine. They did what pirates did best. They got drunk. They were found in a tavern, wasted and drunk. So that's why they were late. So it's quite quite funny. I suppose when I said earlier in the show that a lot of the stereotypes were were wrong, uh, I'm guessing the, the drunk pirate was, was definitely not one of them. So... I mean, the main reason, uh, just a, a side note, that one of the main reasons pirates actually did drink a lot of rum was they were on ships for so long, water didn't last that long. It, it didn't didn't stay clean, it was very dirty, and rum lasted a lot longer. So they used to drink rum because it lasted longer for them, pretty much. And that was... Uh, yeah, so there we go. There's a little side note for you. We'll go back to Blackbeard now. And during the blockade of Charlestown, Blackbeard actually found evidence or rumours of ships that had left England, which were coming to the Caribbean pretty much to stomp out piracy. And he decided that the Caribbean was not a safe place anymore and he decided to sail up from South Carolina up to North Carolina and he ran up a place in South Carolina called Beaufort Inlet so if you're from the east coast of America you may have heard of Beaufort Inlet for those of you that don't then you might want to google it um, and basically in Beaufort Inlet there was quite a low sandbar so what Teach actually did was he run the Queen's Anne Revenge into a sandbar and he damaged it beyond repair. Now, there are different contradicting views, let's say, in history as to whether he did that on purpose or whether he did that as an accident. Now, the reasons for him to have done it on purpose would have been if he hasn't got a pirate ship can he really be tried and arrested for piracy you know he hasn't got a ship maybe he'd get away with it in that way the other reason uh, damaging the ship actually cost him a few men you know a lot of men actually died with the the, the power of the, the ship being being damaged now obviously in this case he would have saved himself quite a bit of money by killing off some of his crew and if he can get away with it as an accident, no one's going to mutiny on him because they just think it's an accident. Personally, I'm not sure, but th there are there are evidence to suggest that. 
that he did it on purpose. Um, if not, then it was an accident and he ended up losing probably the most famous pirate ship of all time. But you can see from that that, you know, the Queen Anne's Revenge being one of the most famous pirate ships ever was only around for about a year, which shows how important, you know, Blackbeard really was. His ship was around for a year, but yet he's probably the most famous pirate ever. In fact, Blackbeard's reign as a pirate was only two years. So him actually becoming famous and, and as famous as he is in that small space of time just shows how people have taken piracy and how how popular the stories became over time so what actually happened at this point is teach and his crew were actually offered what are called royal pardons now a royal pardon is basically the the royals from whatever country in this case england saying that we will waive your crimes and we will not arrest you for anything you've done previous but you have to stop doing it so if you stop becoming a pirate now then we won't arrest you for anything you did in your past if you carry on being a pirate we'll arrest you we'll hang you you'll die so they were actually all told that they had till the 5th of september 1718 to surrender now one man who actually took this and went for the pardon was Stead Bonnet. Now, Stead Bonnet left Beaufort Inlet and he went to the governor and claimed his royal pardon. Whilst he was gone, Teach actually attacked his ship. So, obviously, he wasn't there to defend it. So, he attacked his ship, he looted everything out of it, and he marooned his crew. So... When Bonnet actually returned to Beaufort Inlet, Teach and his pirates had disappeared, his pirates were left on an island, and his ship had no property in it. So, obviously, he was out for revenge. He was in a situation where he's just claimed his freedom, but yet he's in no position financially to do anything other than piracy. So he actually had to return to piracy and ended up being caught and he was hung. So he you know, it, it didn't didn't pay out well for him. He was he was captured he was actually hung in Charlestown in, in South Carolina. So Teach then left sail well obviously when he'd left he sailed north. He actually sailed to Bath, a town called Bath. And according to historical accounts, he settled there. And he married the daughter of a plantation owner. So he started to build a little bit of roots. Bit of a a life for himself outside of piracy. Now he obviously he missed the sea. He longed to go back to the sea. And he had his sloop that he'd obviously sailed north. And his sloop was actually anchored in a place called Ocracoke just outside of Bath now what he then decided to do was to go to the governor and ask to become a royal privateer so he accepted his pardon and he asked to be a royal privateer he was granted that ability and he took his new well his sloop which he renamed the adventure to go out and 
fight for the crown again like he had done in the past now this didn't actually last very long I think it lasted roughly a month month or two and by August 1718 he'd returned to piracy again so you know he, he didn't didn't really he wasn't wasn't the uh, the best privateer didn't last very long now the story goes that he actually captured two french ships they were both merchant ships and when he captured these ships he moved all the sailors from one ship to the other leaving a ship completely empty and he sailed that back to ocracoke when he got back to Ocracoke, he told the governor, which was a man called Governor Eden, that he'd found the ship empty in the middle of the sea. When he said that, because it was a French ship, it was classed as maritime salvage, and it was then the possession of the crown, or the possession of the man who'd found it, and they split the the, the booty between the two of them, between Governor Eden and Edward Teach. So... Obviously, the sailors who were in the other ship sailed off, and when they reached, I believe, Pennsylvania, there was a warrant issued for the arrest of Edward Teach, due to the fact that when the story had come out that this ship actually wasn't just found empty, that it had been attacked. Obviously, the story started to change, and Edward Teach was sought for for piracy again. Teach went back to Ocracoke and had pretty much a, a big party. Now, Ocracoke was a favourite anchorage for many pirates. So there were during this time that he was actually anchored at Ocracoke, there were some quite famous pirates there at the same time. Now they had a huge party at this time. This is what the your sources will tell you that he went back there and there was quite a big pirate gathering some of the pirates that were there were Israel Hands Robert Deal, Calico Jack and Charles Vane so if you're not if you're into your pirates you'll probably have heard of at least one or two of them if you have now become interested in pirates thanks to this podcast they are definitely worth a google they do have a lot of, uh, a lot of fun stories behind them and this huge party obviously attracted a bit of attention. So what actually happened was whereabouts of Blackbeard was actually obtained from the old quartermaster from the Queen Anne's Revenge. So obviously he was no longer with with Edward Teach at this time. And he was a man named William Howard. Now he actually gave up the location of Teach and his pirates. And the warrant was issued. That was it. They were they were going after Blackbeard. The plan from the Royal Navy was Captains Gordon and Brand from HMS Pearl and HMS Lime were to travel overland and Robert Maynard was given command of two sloops to approach Ocracoke from the sea. Um, Maynard had 57 men and on the 17th of September started out their four-day journey to Ocracoke. Maynard found the ships anchored outside Ocracoke, and on the morning of the 22nd of November, Maynard entered the channel of Ocracoke. And this is where the battle took place. Now, Teach boarded his sloop, 
along with his pirates, and they went. They travelled out to meet Maynard in the sea. Now, when they got there, Teach boarded Maynard's ship, and the battle took place on the ship. Now, during this time, there's there are conflicting evidence as to what happened. The story goes that Maynard shot Blackbeard, then tried to attack him, as which Blackbeard took out his cutlass or his sword, and he cut Maynard's sword in half. So Maynard was now left unarmed and unable to defend himself. Blackbeard went in to kill Maynard and was thrusted from behind by a Highlander or by a Scottish sailor from the Royal Navy and was killed. Now, when they exhumed his body, they actually said that he he was suffered from multiple stab wounds and multiple gunshot wounds. So it just shows how Blackbeard didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to go down, you know, he was he was attacked quite vigorously, you know, quite brutally and he carried on fighting and he nearly ended up killing the captain of the ship purely on the basis that he just wouldn't go down. The story goes that his head was cut off and hung from the ship as evidence of Maynard's victory. When Teach's body was thrown overboard, the story shows or suggests that Edward Teach, Blackbeard's body, swam round the ship three times before disappearing into the sea. Not sure whether we believe that one, but that is the story. And that just goes to to add to the mystery of Blackbeard and add to the story behind why he was such a famous pirate. I mean, brutality, he wasn't that brutal. He had a very fearsome look, a very good story behind him. And even in death, he was pretty fearsome, you know, to be shot a few times, to be stabbed a few times, still not go down, and then the story saying that your body, your headless body, swam round the ship. I think uh, puts a bit of chills up your spine. So that is the story of Blackbeard, and I hope we enjoyed that. I would like to apologise to anybody who has noticed a slight change in my voice, because unfortunately for me, I'm one of the few people who suffer from hay fever in February, because annoyingly this happens to be the time of year when oak pollen is very popular, and I suffer from that. So I do apologise for the quality of my voice this week, but I'm not going to leave you there. We are going to cover a few fun pirate facts, so I hope you are ready. (laughs) And I'm not even apologising for that joke. So, here we go. One of the interesting facts was Julius Caesar, possibly one of the most famous men in history, was actually kidnapped by pirates and held prisoner. Uh, The pirates actually asked for a ransom of 20 talons, which is roughly $600,000 in today's money. Caesar seemed uh, a little bit disappointed by this and said... Do you know who I am? I'm Julius Caesar, and I'm worth a lot more than that. And he actually told the pirates at the time to to ask for 50 talents, 
And that's what they did. They asked for 50. They were given 50. And when Julius Caesar was released, he went back to Rome. He raised a navy. He captured the pirates who had captured him. And he crucified them. So, yeah, don't mess with Julius Caesar. Piracy was not just for men. There were two famous female pirates, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny were probably the two most famous female pirates and they were the only two women known to have been convicted of piracy during the golden age of piracy. The Jolly Roger flag, the origin has been lost a little bit but one of the theories behind it is that it stems from the name that red flags, basically a red flag during naval warfare meant no mercy and the French called these Jolet Rouge, which means pretty red. So Jolet Rouge being a flag of no mercy, that it suggested that, that the Jolly Roger came from that. Um, there is another theory um, that says that the flag is called that because the words Old Roger in Brazil, Old Roger was a nickname for the devil. Um, whether... Whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. But the the two stories together, I think, I think are quite interesting. That the flag itself has come from a theory, but yet the Jolly Roger name, we, we don't know the origins behind the name, but the flag, definitely famous. Now, I'm sure everybody's aware of the Skull and Crossbones flag, and, and obviously the, the Jolly Roger flag being, being that one. There were alternate flags, uh, each pirate had their own, and as uh, as I've mentioned before, the Facebook group, the, the flag of Blackbeard and the flag of the Queen Anne's Revenge is the devil holding an hourglass with an arrow going into a heart, which is obviously where some of you have got Cupid from with the arrow going into the heart, but that's actually from Blackbeard and the Queen Anne's Revenge. Possibly my favourite pirate fact, which I, I say to my kids all the time, is that of the eye patch. Now, pirates are famous for the eye patch, but did you know they didn't wear it because they had a bad eye? Most pirates wore an eye patch so that when they boarded another ship, when they went below deck, they could remove the eye patch and put it on the other eye, and the eye that was covered is now adjusted to night vision. So it allows them to fight in the dark. I think that's quite clever. Um, not only that, they did look badass. Um, the other facts, just a few little ones, was uh, pirates didn't bury treasure. That is a total myth. I think there's only ever been one evidence of one pirate ever burying treasure in the past. So there's no real evidence. That mainly came from the book of Treasure Island. So that's that's where that one's come from. Pirates used to wear gold earrings. Now, gold earrings were actually worn as an insurance policy for pirates who didn't want to be buried at sea. Most pirates were very superstitious, and the thought of spending eternity in Davy Jones' locker was a fear that they all had. And they wanted to make sure they had a good burial and a good funeral. And if they're earrings could be melted down into gold or silver then that was a way to pay for their funeral so that's that's why they wore those 
Another quite common thing you'll see is pirates had wax, like candle wax, in in the hair or on their earrings or things like that. Basically, it would have been in close proximity to their ears. Uh, the main reason for that is cannon fire in these days was extremely loud and extremely deafening and the candle wax would have been popped into their ears when firing the cannons and would allow them not to go deaf so that was the story behind those as well another interesting fact is the pirates very rarely if ever used the plank so walk the plank unfortunately which ruined my childhood to find this because we always used to play walk the plank but pirates never actually walked the plank their type of punishment was either marooning killing or a thing called keel hulling now there was two ways of doing this one would be to tie you to the back of the ship and just basically drag you along with the ship and another way was to tie rope around your feet and around your hands and drag you under the ship and back over and back under and back over. Now, you would hope, I believe, at this point that you would die under the ship because if you didn't, the barnacles at the bottom of the ship would have ripped your skin to pieces and salt water and open flesh wounds is not a good mix and it was pretty much their way of torturing people of pulling them from one end of the ship to the other so that is a few little pirate facts for you just to to end this episode so again I would like to say thank you to everybody for listening Uh, again if you have any comments any feedback please let me know feel free to leave me comments on iTunes, I do quite like getting my reviews, it's quite nice for me to to hear what you guys are thinking, whether you enjoy it, and so on and so forth. If you do want anything specific, you want to hear a story on certain aspects of history, let me know, Um, I'm sure we can try and cover that. My email address is twihpod at gmail.com. And the Facebook group, which I know some of you have joined, which I'm really pleased to see, uh, is This Week in History. When you type This Week in History into Facebook, just look for the, the picture of the Spitfire and you'll find us. And we can see you again, hopefully next week. So thank you for listening. And just remember, everybody, we all have history. Make yours great. Thank you very much. Bye bye. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew. And not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'.
Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.